You're listening to the 1208 Podcast from 1208 Greenwood Free Methodist Church in downtown Jackson, Michigan. church in need of repairs, of remodeling. And during a sermon, the preacher made this emotional request for help to be able to do that remodeling. While he pleaded his case, he looked directly at the richest man in town, made eye contact. At the end of the sermon, the rich man stood up and he shouted, Pastor, I will contribute $1,000. As soon as he said it, a chunk of plaster from the ceiling fell onto his head. And so the rich man stood up again and he said, wait, 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 pastor, I will increase my donation to $5,000. Before he could sit down, another chunk of plaster fell out of the ceiling and it hit him again. And so he stood up and he shouts out, I'm doubling my last donation. He sat down and unbelievably, a giant chunk of plaster hit him hard on the head and it hurt, it bruised. The richest man jumped out and he shouted, okay, that's it, pastor. I hear you, Lord. I'm gonna give $20,000. Just then, another church member stood up and shouted, hit him again, Lord. That's funny. Sometimes bad things happen to people. Things way worse than getting hit in the head with a chunk of plaster. As a pastor, the hardest question that I ever get asked is, why does God allow bad things to happen? It's a difficult question to answer. Pastors feel that they must know the answer, that we must have an answer for this. Hurting people need to have an answer. They want an answer. No matter how strong our faith, no matter what we believe about our Lord, there will be times when we are shaking and we will ask, why, God? Why? At some time, we will face tragedy. We will face suffering. There's no such thing as a Willy Wonka candy-coated life. It's just non-existent. I wish it were true. It would seem that an all-loving God would give his followers life with no tragedy, life with no suffering. Our faith in Jesus was never a guarantee for a pain-free life. Why does God allow bad things to happen? Why do innocent children die? Why do thousands of people go hungry? Why do tornadoes and hurricanes and fires destroy people's homes? Why did thousands of people lose their life on 9-11? Why is there disease? Why do drunk drivers kill? Why is there pain? After years and years of being a pastor and trying to find the answer and of studying God's word, I thought long and hard because I want to be able to give that answer to people when they're hurting. I want to be able to to give them an answer. Now, I don't want you to miss this. Listen closely. 
I have the answer. I don't know. I don't know why God allows bad things to happen. I don't know why. Dr. James Dobson, he wrote a book, When God Doesn't Make Sense. I read it in my search for the answer to this question, and I got to chapter 11, and Dr. Dobson gives his answer. I don't know why, is what he said. The question, why does God allow bad things to happen, isn't a new question. It isn't something that we're just struggling with. People for thousands of years have asked that question from Joseph to Job to David and well into the New Testament. In our modern times, believers and non-believers who have witnessed world wars or the Holocaust or, or genocides or famines or, or the killing fields of Cambodia or the start of AIDS or 9-11 have all asked, why does God allow bad things to happen? Hear the word of the Lord. Everything I have taught you is so. The peace which is in me will be in you. Will give you great confidence as you rest in me. In this unbelieving world, you will experience trouble. You will experience sorrow. But you must be courageous. For I have conquered the world, Jesus. John 16, 33. Yes, our Jesus is speaking, and his words are intended to bring comfort and understanding for those tough seasons in life. Jesus said these words after he had washed his disciples' feet, after he had his last meal with them, and after he tried to prepare them for his death. He is trying to comfort them because he knows that a tragedy is coming. He knows that his life as he knows it and as they know it is coming to an end. They will see him beaten. They will see him nailed to a cross. They will witness his suffering. They will see him die and they will not understand. And they will ask the question, why God? Why did this have to happen? So Jesus warns his disciples. He tells them, you will be hated. You will have suffering. And he promises them comfort to come after the tragedy. There will be hope, he tells them. He promises that their grief will turn into joy. And then he ends this lengthy conversation with the words, I have told you these things so that in me you have peace. In this world you will have trouble. Listen to what he says next. But take heart. I have overcome the world. You will have trouble. The words of Jesus. He, he doesn't say why. He, he doesn't say when. He doesn't say how much. He says you will have trouble. But take heart. What does that mean? Take heart. Oddly, it means... Be happy. Have joy. Be of good cheer. Because I, Jesus Christ, have overcome the world. Jesus cheers his people onto joy, reminding us that God is in control and that God has overcome the world. And it's hard sometimes to remember that truth when we're in the middle of a tragedy, when we're in the middle of a crisis. It's hard to remember his truth. And yet, 
it really doesn't answer the question, why does God allow bad things to happen? Perhaps we should dig deeper into God's word for a few moments for more help. Perhaps it's there that we will find the help that we need. We're, we're not we're, we're not knowing how to deal with when we shake our fist at God. By the way, you know that's okay, right? To shake your fist at God once in a while. That's all right. He can take it. But it is in God's word that we will find his comfort. So the first truth that I found in God's word about why God allows bad things to happen is this. Here's the truth. God didn't create evil and suffering. It wasn't his plan. It wasn't his idea. And we must plant that truth deep into our minds and into our hearts. And we must let that take root. Suffering is not a creation of God. Knowing that helps us to stop blaming God. God looked out over everything, and it was good, so very good, Genesis 1.31. We may ask, why, God, did you create, why didn't you create a world with no tragedy? Why, God, didn't you create a world with no suffering? He did. He did create a world without that. If God is not the creator of tragedy, suffering, pain, and death, then why are those things here? Because we have to look at what God did create. He created love. Love in its purest form. Love to the highest law. God's love is, a, is an unconditional love that he created. It controls the universe. God the Father, Son, and Spirit together are perfect love. And when God created humans, all he wanted was for us to experience that perfect love through a relationship with him. In order to give us the ability to love, God had to give us the freedom to choose love. Yes. If we don't freely choose love, then we're a part. We're, 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 if we don't freely choose love, then we become a part of, of, of being like a puppet. Our love is a freedom of choice. And unfortunately, humans have abused their freedom to choose by rejecting God by walking away from him. Going against God has consequences. When man decided to be a God, little g by the way, it brought evil into God's creation. Man became prideful, man became selfish, and, and it went against God's pure love. When humans don't love the way that God created us to love, then what are we doing? We are rebelling. And rebellion towards God is sin. God didn't want suffering. He didn't create it. It hurts him to see his people suffer. Know that. A second truth that I found in God's word in regards to this, that's kind of difficult to understand, but even though suffering stinks, pain hurts, tragedy fills us with grief, God will use our pain for his glory. I know that's a hard one to understand. How do you tell someone who suddenly loses a loved one or who suddenly gets a bad diagnosis, God will bring good from this? How do you tell people that? 
In our human mind, that doesn't make sense. Yet hear God's words in Romans 8, 28. We know that God is always at work for the good of everyone who loves him. This verse doesn't say that God causes horrible things. It says that God is at work for the good of everyone. God is able to bring out of everything goodness. He is God. This verse doesn't say that we will always see what God is doing. It's a promise to have that we have during the hard times. It's an understanding that we are being given because when we are suffering, when we feel like nothing is going right, we want the answers. We want them now. We want to know why. But the word says we know God is always at work for the good of everyone who loves him. And that's all you need to know. It's also clear this promise is for those who love God. Now, that doesn't mean if you don't love God, you're constantly going to have bad things happen to you. It is saying that those who love God, those who trust God, will know that he is at work for their good. It's called faith, my friends. For those times we don't see our love for him, our faith in him is what brings peace and understanding. There's a divine confidence that we should have. God takes care of his children. I've heard some say, God can't bring any good to my circumstances. I don't see how God can change this. The pain is too great, the damage too severe, my suffering too intense. I, I don't see God. Don't doubt God. Don't doubt his promises. God took the worst thing that ever happened in history, the death of his son on the cross, and he turned it into the greatest thing that ever happened in history. God can take the negative situations in your life and he can create something good from pain. I know my words won't help you if you're going through something right now. I can say this, I've experienced great tragedy in my life and through it all, God comforted me. He brought me peace I couldn't give myself. My tragedy actually gave me a deeper and truer sense and a better relationship with the Holy One. Our thinking can't be, we just can't. Why God allow this? We can't go down that road. It should be, this has happened to me, I can change it, I can use it for God's glory, I can use it to show people through my tragedy how loving and how faithful God is. There's a third truth that I found in God's Word in regards to our question of the evening. The day is coming where there'll be no suffering, no illness, no death, no pain, no tears. That day is coming. Amen. Yes. Amen. I have been asked, if God has the power to destroy suffering and evil, then why doesn't he do it? That's, there's a, a major flaw in that question. Just because God hasn't done it, doesn't mean he won't. 
What if I stopped preaching right now? I'm done. What if I didn't finish the message? What if I just kind of left you guys in the middle? You might feel a little bit cheated. Too many loose ends, no ending, no point. You didn't bring it home, lady. I'll finish preaching because I know you want to hear God's word. But folks, that's how it is with God. The story is not over. The work is not done. There is much to be done. There is plenty to be told. The story of the world isn't over. And the Bible says the day is coming when sickness will be gone, when people will be held responsible for the evil that they have done. It will be a pure world. Justice will be served. The day will come, but not yet. In other words, we've only heard half the message. So why is God taking so long? He's not. Man is. God is delaying the completion of history in hopes that more people will hear about him and will trust in him, which means more people will be with him in eternity. He's delaying because of his perfect love for the lost. There's work to be done. A fourth truth I found in God's word. Our sufferings are minute in comparison to the wonderful things that God has in store for his followers. That one is a hard one to understand too. You mean to tell me that what I'm going through right now is minute? Romans 8.18 I am sure that what we are suffering right now cannot compare with the glory that will later be shown to us. Those words written by Paul who suffered beatings, who suffered stoning, imprisonment, rejection, hunger, grief, homelessness, those are his words. And I'm not minimizing anyone suffering by any chance. I'm saying let's look at the long term. Let's look at the future. Let's plan for an eternal glory. What happens this side of earth is not everlasting. Here's what I mean. On the very first day, January 1st, 2019, let's say you had the worst day ever. This is the worst day ever. You had to have an emergency root canal. Um, the dentist ran out of pain medicine. Um, you crashed your car, you had no insurance. You, your retirement took a, went down to the negative. And, and you know, your spouse became sick, your best friend betrayed you. That was the worst day ever, right? Now, let's just say that the rest of the year is completely amazing. No bad days. You, you, your relationship with God is at the highest it's ever been. A friend wins the lottery and just hands you a million dollars. You get promoted to your dream job. The Time Magazine puts you on the cover. How about that one? Your marriage is peaceful. Your health is great. And you get a six-month vacation in Hawaii. Then, New Year's Day 2020, someone asks you, hey, how was your 2019? You'd say, it was amazing. I got a million dollars six months in Hawaii. Got the best job in the world. It's awesome. It's the best year I've ever had. See, you would hardly remember that first day that was so horrible. 
When you think of the year as a whole, one bad day, no big deal. 364 good days outweigh one bad day. That day kind of just sort of fades away. That's my analogy for heaven, by the way. It's a weird one, right? You will have bad things happen to you in this life. Maybe you're suffering right now. In heaven, after three million days of pure, holy love, of bliss, of hanging out with Jesus, and three million more days to come, this life on here, on earth, will, won't even be a memory. There's a story out of Great Britain from the 1800s about a teenager who fell down the stairs as a toddler. And he had been in and out of hospitals, became paralyzed, and had become in and out of hospitals for his whole life. Pastor, his pastor was visiting, and he asked him, how old are you? And the boy said, I'm 17. And the pastor asked him, how, how many years of your life have you spent in the hospital? He said, 13 years. And the pastor said, do you think that's fair? And the boy answered him, God has all eternity to make it up to me. He will. God promises an eternity with no crying, no pain. And when we will be united with God, we will be in perfect harmony, witnessing perfect love forever. So finally, a fifth truth that I found in God's word in regards to this question, why does God allow bad things happen? It's us. It's the humans who either turn bitter or they turn to God for comfort. See, God never has abandoned us in our suffering. He has never abandoned us in our pain. In the years that I've been a Christian, I've seen people turn bitter towards God because they don't want the suffering. They don't understand the suffering. I've seen people reject God, become hard towards God because of some suffering. And then I've seen a mother whose child was killed by a drunk driver appear in the courtroom and give the child's killer a hug and forgiveness. I've seen people who have been handed some pretty bad stuff and their faith in God and their love for God only got stronger. When we make the choice to either run from God or run to God, it makes a difference. Now it's time to get back to that verse that I read in the beginning, John 16, 33. Jesus is speaking and he says, I have told you this so that you might have peace in your hearts because of me. While you are in the world, you will have to suffer. But cheer up, for I have defeated the world. In this scripture, Jesus offers two things that we need. Peace to deal with our pain. Courage to deal with what the world would throw at us in the future. Suffering doesn't have to have the last word. Death doesn't have to have the last word. God has the last word. 
We have the scripture for a reason. Because bad things will happen. Jesus has overcome it all. It can be hard to, to learn to lean on Jesus when those hard times come. And we want to handle pain in our own way and with our own strength. And when we do that, though, we miss out. When we don't allow God to be God and to do what only God can do, we're missing out on the peace that he can bring, the healing he can bring, the understanding he can bring, the comfort he can bring. No one else can do that for you. No one but Jesus Christ. It was on the cross that Jesus conquered the world for us. Suffering is a personal problem and it demands a personal response. And God isn't some distant, distracted, disinterested God. He is here and he wants to help. He wants to carry you in your times of need. He entered into our world and he personally experienced great pain. He's God. So are you broken? Jesus was broken. Are you feeling unloved? Jesus was despised and rejected. Do you cry out, God, I can't take it anymore? Jesus was a man of sorrows and he knew grief. Has someone betrayed you? Jesus was sold out by his own people. Have people turned their backs on you? As Jesus hung from the cross, people hid their faces from him, treated him like a lowlife. Every tear we shed becomes Jesus' tears. God does more than feel sorry for us when we're suffering. You got friends who can do that. Jesus is closer than your closest friend. If you've put your trust in him, then he is in you and your sufferings are his sufferings. Your sorrow are his sorrows. So when tragedy strikes, and it will, it will. When suffering comes, and it will. When you're struggling with pain, doubt, it will happen. Make the choice to run into the arms of Jesus Christ. Amen. Dig deep into him. And there you will find the peace to deal with the, with the present situation and the courage to face your future. Can we get an amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, sometimes we work so hard at trying to figure you out. Why? Why me? Why this? Why now? Lord, we are so blessed to be able to serve you. And that is the gift that you have given us, the opportunity to serve you. And sometimes that comes through our suffering. Our testimony comes through our challenges. Whatever we're facing right now, oh Lord our God, be in it. We invite you into our suffering. We invite you into our pain. We invite you into the moment.
and we hand it off to you. And we cave into your lap. Help us. Heal us, spiritually, emotionally, physically. Be near us. Oh, Savior, our God. Amen. Now, <clears throat> we wanted to do some praying tonight, didn't we? So a way that we can, um, this is a tough message, isn't it? I'm telling you it's okay to suffer. <laughs> um, 